This is Sleep On It. In this first series, we explore sleep and how it impacts those with ADHD. Amanda Bland gave an incredible explanation about how people, particularly children with ADHD and sensory issues, can have problems with sleep and how as parents and carers, we can support them. With me today is Amanda Bland. Uh, now, Amanda is founder, director, sleep practitioner and trainer and from the A Stitch Different CIC. Amanda, tell me what stuff you actually do. So, A Stitch Different is a community company that we set up 10 years ago. So all the people involved in the business are parents and carers who work together to create sensory items. B being parent carers ourselves, we know how life can be. We know what sleep deprivation feels like for both our children and also th for, for ourselves as well, because if they're not sleeping, we're not sleeping. Um, and we know that sensory needs are a big part of those with neurodiversity. So we manufacture that. Wow. That's, 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 quite, that's quite a diverse amount of stuff in there, isn't there? It is. It is. And it's really important that we support families and give credible information because there's so much out there that we, mm. you know, through our own journey, you're not given a manual with a child with an additional need. And often if there was one, you'd need a hundred different extra chapters chucked into the mix. So we've done a lot of training over the years in both uh, sensory uh, and sleep because a lot of people were coming to us um, thinking that maybe a weighted blanket might solve all their children's mm. sleep issues. I'd, I'd love to say it would, but it won't. And that's the thing, isn't it? As parents, generally, we, we do just look for that one the, thing that's going to fix everything and make everything go away, but it's just not simple as that. Yeah, I'd love complex. to say there was an instant quick fix. Sometimes there are little things that you can do that can have a massive impact, uh, but we need to do a little bit of unpicking mm. first. So... All of us at Stitch Different uh, are trained and we've managed to put through some of our team through sleep practitioner training as well. So those on the call face, as it were, on our Facebook page and the website actually know what they're talking about. Yeah, that's wonderful. So just talking about sleep for a moment, mm. quite early, well, it's just gone nine o'clock. How did you sleep last night? Dreadful. Oh, no. How come? <laughs> How come? Different environment. Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah, your brain yeah. is sort of a little bit switched on, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, anxious about coming in today, recording this, that little bit of anxiety. My body's Excitement, up there. Of Excitement, of course, coming in here. Um, so, yeah, that, that little bit of underlying anxiety. Yeah, of course. Obviously, impacts on your yeah. sleep. Yeah. You know, if you're not able to chill it down... Very, very difficult. Mm. So, but thankfully, I've got strategies in my toolbox that I did Wonderful. get some sleep. Excellent. Unfortunately, the fire alarm going off at five oh, o'clock this morning. No. No. Oh, but hey ho, we're Never here. Mind. We're here now. We're, we're here, here now. So, what is it about ADHD and sleep then that interests you? Is it is it the, the sort of the 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 interaction of that with children and being a parent? Yeah, I mean, primarily it's children I work with, but also I do get a lot of people coming through uh, as adults with ADHD, um, and. It just fascinates me how when we meet an individual's uh, sensory needs, how more, much more regulated they are and they're much more able to function during the day, but also then has a positive impact on sleep as well. But it isn't just a one-stop fix. Again, it's something that we need to meet that sensory need to the individual, mm. but it's something that needs to be done right throughout the day. 
Um, we used to call it a sensory diet. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in, when I first did my training years ago, they called it a sensory diet. So for this person might have a prescription for oh. bouncing on the trampoline at eight o'clock. And wow. then they go. But thinking about it, the word diet is quite a negative term. Mm. So it's almost about taking things away, isn't it? It is, it is. And actually, for many people, it's about giving more and meeting that need. So we choose to call it a sensory lifestyle. So we are looking at the individual needs, seeing what they are. And if we can meet those needs at an early stage, much more able to function, you know, be able to mm. achieve what needs to be done during the day, but equally help with the sleep at mm. night as well. So just, just t- you mentioned the, the, the phrase sensory needs a few times. Just just explain. I think I know what I mean, but I, when you say that, I see sort of glowing lights and balls and yeah. tubes and things. So just, just talk us through so sensory your, needs. Your sensory bit. system... <clears throat> There's about 27 different senses, if not more, that have been recognised now. You've got 27? Ob- yeah, or more. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So obviously you've got your obvious ones, you know, your sight, your sound, smell, touch, taste, mm. etc. There's a lot of also internal senses. So oh, okay. quite a big one called interoception. That's the sense that tells you whether you're hot, cold, hungry, thirsty. Are you picking up that you're tired or not? Mm. Do we need to mm. find another way of giving that cue? Um, so that's quite a big one. Particularly people with ADHD, we find that well, everyone is unique. There are three main ones that people struggle with. So auditory, sound, sensitivity mm-hmm. is quite mm-hmm. a big one. So that's not being able to cope with a lot of Yeah, a lot of sound okay. can be quite overwhelming mm. um, and distracting. So that's why, you you know, ear defenders, earbuds can be Mm. really, really useful for that. Mm. I mean, sleep, obviously everyone's got sleep, their own unique sleep needs. Personally, I need total quiet. Mm. So I actually have some noise cancelling earbuds that I sleep in. Okay, wow. For some people, they need sounds. A little bit of background noise. Background Mm. noise, so Mm. your white noise, your pink noise. Uh And there's a whole lot of uh, studies being done at the moment around different sounds and I know Sleep Charity is quite involved with that mm. so it's going to be really interesting but it's about trial and error really mm. seeing what works best for the individual and with, with, when it comes to sleep and sensory input because the circadian rhythm is driven isn't mm. it by light yes ultimately we've developed yes. it because of light or the absence of light mm. what what other avenues of, of sensory issues can impact on sort of the quality of sleep and quantity of sleep because it's, it's a big part of our lives it isn't is it? i mean again another big sensory system that plays a part with adhd is uh, proprioception so proprioception is the subconscious sense that tells you where your body is in space mm-hmm. i.e so uh, like being able to touch your elbow when you can't see it, stuff like that. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, I think yeah, knowing yeah. that your bum's on the seat yeah, and your feet yeah, are on the yeah. floor, etc. For some people, from my interpretation, it almost feels like it might be floating around. And oh, this wow, is why you gosh. see a lot of people climbing, bouncing, mm. because it's that heavy muscle work that can actually help feel more grounded and calm. And from um, some of the training I've undertook, they suggested that 20 minutes of heavy work could potentially give up to two hours of calm. Wow. So, you know, an alerting activity first thing in the morning for a child, say, getting on a trampoline, mm. you know, wake up, get those that those curtains open, get that vitamin D in, mm. stop that melatonin, that sort of thing, get on that trampoline, get that nervous system a little bit more regulated. You might then might find that the child may be more able to engage in having the breakfast or getting the dressed or things mm. like that. 
Um, but I think for children, it's also about maximising choices. Mm. You know, give them opportunities of say, is it going to be we're going to go on a trampoline? Is it going to be we might go and do 10 jumping jacks or go for a run around the block? That sort of heavy work mm. can be really calming. But again, at bedtime, we don't particularly want the child really alert. No, no, you don't want to <laughs> no, we don't want to at that time. Right? No. no, ideally, we, we want to be looking at more calming, regulating okay. activities. So you've got your alerting activities, you've got your more calming activities. So what I like to call the bedtime hour, the golden mm-hmm. hour, the mm. hour before sleep. Once we've sussed what their average time is, but not enough, you know, because everyone's got their own unique uh, mm. skating rhythm. Um, and there's no point in putting the child to bed at eight o'clock if you know they're not going to get to bed till midnight mm. because they're going to be bouncing around the room no, till that not. time. So And getting stressed probably as well. More as and more stressed. Yep. You're saying to them, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, aren't no, you? They're and they're going to tired. No. How, do you, how on earth do you work out someone's sort of bedtime? Is it just for trial me, and error? I, I, sleep diaries. It's okay. So for me, I look at sleep diaries. I would ask the families, look, look at the sleep diaries. Obviously, look at sleep hygiene, look at the routine. Have they got a routine? Because so many families come to us and they say, and I'll say, well, what does your routine look like? Mm. Oh, they're coming from school at four. Five o'clock, we have tea. Then we do a bath. And then we do, well, actually, can we condense that down Mm. into a bit more structure? And particularly for people with neurodiversity, how are we going to tell them that it's the time for bed? What's going to be the cue? Um, for younger children, I often would maybe think about a bedtime box. Okay. So that could be a, a stacker box or a shoe box or something different to what they would have elsewhere. Uh, and we put options in there, choices of fine motor activities. Because mm. obviously fine motor, you know, using hand-eye coordination, mm. Mm. distracting that busy brain. Mm. So building blocks, and Lego, that quietens the brain down, quietens it down. And yeah. presumably that's why they say jigsaws are good things to do. Exactly. Near bed. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, how wonderful! Yeah. So, but yeah, hand-eye coordination stuff is really colouring. Yeah. Okay. Mindfulness books, yeah. depending on the age range and that type of thing. So, uh, and that's presumably beneficial to everyone, isn't it? I'm just thinking now that's about my a... bedtime routine. Do I have a routine? Well, actually, I've talked to lots of people about having bedtime routines. Don't think I actually really have mm. much of one. Mm. So it's something that people. So yeah, if we are struggling with sleep, like some, routines like first. You know, we yeah. need to look at that routine. Okay. Um. Obviously, look at our own regulation level. See how calm we are. Mm. You know, how do we need sensory input? Mm. So one of the activities I might suggest for a younger child who maybe have a little bit of attachment issues or as well as some sensory issues would be maybe the activity row, row, row your boat. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, where yeah. you're sat with a child, feet to feet, hand to hand, rocking gently back and forward. So if you think about that, your your feet are touching the child's feet. Mm. That's deep touch mm. pressure, which is really calming, really good for proprioception. When you say deep touch pressure? Deep, deep touch pressure is one of those senses that can be calming and grounding. Does that and, mean like hold someone tight rather yes, than just... Yeah. yeah okay, tactile. right. But yeah. obviously, ask the individual, do, mm. do you like that? For, for some people with uh, sensory issues, my own son included, mm. if I was to give him a light touch on the arm, mm. he would completely freak out. Really? Absolutely. Wow. For him, his body interprets that as a physical yeah. pain. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So by applying deep touch pressure mm. uh, can actually be really calming. Mm. And then combining that with a slightly rocking movement, which is what we call vestibular movement. Mm. So that's all to do with movement um, and your senses in your ears and your balance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
that can be very calming. So thinking what we did with babies, we rocked them, didn't we? Yeah, of course. You know, and that doing an activity mm. like robots in the... It's making me want to sit down and do it now. Well, you could if you Maybe wanted. Maybe we should do that, just stop the podcast <laughs> and sit down. Um, now, if, if, if you've got kids, if you've got yourself, how, how do people know if they've got sensory issues? Because that's got to be difficult to, It is. To I mean, out. obviously, if, you, if, if it's a child, you know, if you, if you find that they are very bouncy, literally climbing the walls, mm. climbing over the furniture, spinning, rocking, flapping, um, often known as stimming, mm. that can be an indicator that they might have some sort of sensory um, issue. Um, and that could be... Over over the top or, or yeah, not it can be over you, could, or could under. Okay. Uh, my own child is often very under, mm. um, so we then would have to find ways of stimulating him. Mm. Um, under in some areas, and other times, if my son doesn't get two hours of heavy work a day, he cannot function. Mm. You know, so he has uh, he goes to the gym every day, and he does two hours. Yes, he's built like a brick now. <laughs> built like me then. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> but if, um, you know, but by doing that heavy work, mm. he's much more grounded mm. and regulated and more able to function and be able to do the things that he wants to do in life. Mm. And I know myself, if I found that exercise really benefits me, so um, I love boxing. But again... Well, you tell me that now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a real good right hook. But if you... Think again about that, that sensation, that deep touch pressure, not only is it giving you that really good proprioceptive feedback, so it's using your muscles and your joints to sort of almost realign Mm. that nervous system Mm. temporarily and and just feel much more calm. Mm. But also it's releasing that dopamine as well, you know. So I guess it's it's, it's about almost assessing how people are behaving, isn't it? And and if if people don't seem... Grounded, yes. Be that yourself or your family members, yeah. or whatever. If you don't seem to be grounded and sort of chilled, mm. I, I guess might be a description for yeah, it. That's right, yeah. Then you might need to start exploring whether exploring there's any sensory act- input issues. Exactly. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you've got a child that's putting their hands on their ears, okay, um, or trying to shy away, think about any behaviour is a person's best attempt at communicating a need mm. with the skills they've got at that time. Okay. So we have to think about the, the, the person's age, mm. where they are ability-wise and cognitively, you know, where they are. Mm. So, I mean, if they are bouncing around, what think about what that's communicating. Mm. Is it stimulation that they're needing or do we need to take it away? Mm. Is the environment too much? You know, think of a supermarket. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, we all go in some place, and it's almost overload, isn't it? Yeah. The sense of just getting too much information. Yeah. So, and, it, and if people have got that concern around sensory um, mm. uh, challenges, yeah. what, what what should they do? Who, well, who, obviously, they we would always recommend go and see mm. um, you know your medical practitioners. Mm. You know, if you've got a pediatrician or your GP, and raise mm. your concerns there. Always make a list. Mm. If you're going to see your GP or any healthcare professional, make a list of your concerns. Mm. And if it is a child you're talking about, you are the expert in your child. You know them better than anybody. Mm. Um, and as somebody who's been through the system myself of my own, it's about being proactive and 
early intervention is key. So the earlier we can pick up things and put strategies in place, mm. the better the outcomes can be mm. potentially. Um, I mean, regarding sleep, you know, that good routine, meeting the sensory needs. Could it be that, you know, we've talked about robots. Could it be climbing inside a sensory tube and mm. um, things like that that might have a... Mm. A good effect. Mm. That's fascinating, isn't it? It's fascinating. It doesn't just affect people with with sleep, does it? ADHD. It affects everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Aspects of every part of their lives. Yeah. Um, now I've heard I've heard talk of weighted therapy. Yes. When, especially when it comes to ADHD. Mm. What, what what what? I mean, it sort of gives me an illusion of just using a heavy blanket, but it's probably yes. not just that, is it? Well, it's a bit more than that. So again, uh, weighted blankets work on um, tactile sense. Okay, so you got your proprioceptive, mm. which is your heavy muscle work, mm -hmm. and then you've got a tactile sense. So that is where it's coming in through receptors in the skin and the joints and the muscles. So that heavy weight on the body can be quite calming and grounding for a lot of people. Now, really, really important because there's a lot of stuff out there that could potentially be a bit dangerous. Mm. You know, there was a big whole thing about 18 months that's coming out of COVID where there was a lot of mass-produced um, weighted therapy, uh, of so-called weighted therapy, weighted blankets. Okay. Right. Um, that for those with a, a real sensory dysfunction wouldn't necessarily be that mm. beneficial. It's really important to get the right size and the right weight. Okay, because I'm that's based on age as well, and individual ish, needs. Ish. Okay, it's more about never be more than ten percent of the user's body weight. Okay, so we follow uh, all cl best practice, clinical practice, and follow Royal College of Occupational Therapy guidance. Um, and also, a stitch different. We did a lot of research around the fillings because if you've got a child with neurodiversity, often behaviours can be a little bit challenging. And some of the mainstream items out there can be filled with either glass. Glass? Glass, beads. No. Yeah, or, or, or steel shot. Wow. Which if you've got a child that might chew yeah. uh, mm. or might use as a weapon, chuck mm. it across the room because, you know, wow. let's live in the real world here. Yeah. These things happen. And things get holes in them anyway, don't they? They are, yeah. So, wow. and a lot of the mass-produced stuff doesn't necessarily have the care taken. Yeah, um, and I guess it's also a little bit about the, the, the feel of the thing, is it as it well? Because that that uh, that could be some. It is of... texture plays a big part, so that's what we at Stitch Different do. Is we very important that we engage with the individual of who the items are for, um, and this is what we, when we first set up, we raised some funds and we bought some weighted blankets to loan out through our local artistic society uh, from a mainstream supplier at the time. We had a choice of blue, blue, and about four weights. Right. Um, and when they arrived, the young people wouldn't engage. Wow. So at that same time, my own child was going through a bit of an issue. I had to give up my career and ended up being a full-time mum at home. Um, and basically, it sort of developed, and we had a young man who was big into Marvel. Okay. And... Um, he had a lot of sleep issues, a lot of proprioceptive issues, etc. And basically, I redesigned, took a lot of research, worked with some real good professionals to make sure it was safe and the quality was right. But more importantly, it engaged with the individual. Mm. You pick it up, you know, Marvel, it's got, you know, it's got yeah. somebody on there. Spider-Man's on there. Absolutely. I love Spider-Man. Mm. Mm. And therefore, 
oh, I'm more likely to use it. And it's quite remarkable. Right, and, you, and engaged far more. Engaged far more and, yeah. again, used it. Used it as a calming strategy when you came in from school. But as long as it's the right size and the right weight, they, they can be used as part of a sleep routine uh, for sleeping. Often, depends what the issue is with the child, but we're finding more recently that children with ADHD were a little bit more fidgety, should we say, mm -hmm. than a lot, uh, that compression sheets work really, really well. So they're like a, a heavy, stretchy, lycra material that covers the entire mattress of the bed. Okay. So that if they do move around in the bed, mm. they're actually getting that proprioceptive feedback. They're getting resistance mm -hmm. through the material. And that, again, can help keep them calm and grounded right throughout the night. Mm. The only thing with them is they only really work on a single bed. We've done a lot of research. Oh, okay, yes, because double beds are much larger, Much they? larger. And if you've only got the... the same yeah, and it's, it's it just, we just, we've tried always. Wow. Um, and we just cannot quite get them no. right so no. we'd rather say if we can't do something well... Then just don't do it at all. You know, there's no yeah. point in doing something for therapeutic benefit if it's not going no, to be beneficial. Not. And it really isn't an exact science, is it? You know, this, this is, and, mm. and I've seen this with, with sleep uh, generally. Is it's, you know, people have different issues with sleep you know, across a wide spectrum. Mm. Uh, and the same with ADHD. Is, you know, it's a vast spectrum, isn't it, of people mm. with different issues. And, uh, and for someone trying to help those people out, it must be so difficult... To, and it's, there's got to be a bit of trial and error to it, there presumably. Is, there is, yeah. There is a lot of trial and error, and it's about treating everyone as an individual. Mm. You know, yes, we deliver training, you know, to groups, but we do try and build in time to adapt to individual. And I think that's sometimes where the sleep helpline comes in. Mm. You know, we, we can talk to individual families mm. uh, and hopefully give them a little bit of guidance. Mm. And it is all about the family, isn't it, as well? Oh, it's, yeah. not, it's not just about the child and trying no. to help the child. It's about helping the family manage Indeed, because many, uh, obviously, children, and, and, you know, as a child with ADHD, you're an adult with ADHD, you may have just learned some mm. coping strategies as you get a little bit older. Mm. And we become much more aware of our own bodies as we get older, I think. Um, but as a, a carer, I've been there. You know, my my son co-slept with us for 15 years because we didn't know any different. No. You know, no. that was our life. And it was okay. That was okay. It's okay. it what it is. Yeah. You know, uh, and a lot of families who come to our training or they phone us on the sleep helpline, they're really embarrassed by that. Mm. No, it is what it is because you don't know any different. No, and it's different, isn't it, with, with parents. You know, I've got a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old mm. and, and through that growing up period from birth, through uh, childhood, you're constantly, you know, you've got books that, that mark mm. your child against the average child. Mm. Uh, my son, I mean, he'd be bum shuffled until he was about two years old. Mm. And we were just thinking, you know, was he ever going to walk? Um, and he was fine. It was just he developed a bit later yeah. in that way. Yeah. But he was very good with his fingers and with his hands. Yeah. Um, now, an aspect of your work as well is around sleep, isn't it? And very much so. Being yes. a sleep practitioner. Now, what does that entail? So basically that is... Looking at a person's sleep, they come to us because maybe they're not sleeping or their child isn't sleeping, and we would look holistically at what's going on with that family. You know, we look at um, what their routine might look like, what their environment might look like. Uh, environment, I think, and, and those with sensory differences plays a really big part, so consistency is absolutely key. Um, and we look at that and we, we might create... Um, an individualised programme or we might um, signpost 
uh, individuals to the amazing ebooks that we've got at the Sleep Charity website. And I just absolutely love those. So as a starting point, I would actually signpost most families to the, the ebooks for either children or the adult teen, the teen sleep hub um, or the new adult book, because I think they're full of brilliant information that makes a positive impact. Um, if people are still struggling, obviously we would always suggest people keep sleep diaries. Uh, if they've undertaken, mm. you know, they've took on board the strategies that have been suggested. Uh, if they need more one-to-one work, well, we do do that. Um, but obviously, we don't like charging for these things. You know, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? It is. It's really, really, you've still got cost, haven't you? So, we so we have, and keeping sure. on top of the training. You know, it's really important mm. to us as a business that we keep on top of any of training. You know, so for you both give the best sleep. service ultimately. Exactly. So we're giving credible information. Mm. You know, we pride ourselves on, on being connected to the sleep charity and I'm quite honoured to be, you know, one of the helpline responders. Mm. Um, and yeah, and, and things are changing all the time. You know, I did the sleep medicine course earlier this year, which was absolutely fascinating. Uh, and then doing the CBTI training mm. and, you know, just starting to put that into practice. And actually, there's some. I'm, it's going to be really interesting how um, the CBTI um, research around with ADHD because mm. at the moment I can't use CBTI with people with ADHD. What is that? I've heard of CBT certainly, but CBTI, what's that? Cognitive Behaviour Therapy for Insomnia. So those that have um, quite severe insomnia, sleep issues that have been ongoing for quite some time, um, CBTI is the gold standard treatment for uh, insomnia. Uh, and basically it's where the individual would either work one-to-one or in small groups with a, a trained practitioner. And we look at um, sleep hygiene. We look at the sleep routine. We also, you know, look at where they are now in terms of their sleep. And often it's very fragmented. Uh, so they might be going to bed at, say, midnight and then be tossing and turning for three or four hours. We look at that and we basically would work on giving quality sleep. We might look at um, creating a sleep window or a sleep restriction, it's sometimes called, of where we would condense the sleep. And we would say to the individual, well, actually, you're better to maybe get five hours of real quality sleep than be in bed for, say, 10, Mm. 12 hours and be very fragmented. Mm. So we're looking at realigning their circadian rhythm, but we're using thoughts and, and we're working with how people think mm, and mm. putting strategies in place around that. It generally takes six to eight sessions to be able to work with with a client to yeah. improve. And we, again, we've had some really some good success stories on that one, yes. That's wonderful. And I'm right saying I think that insomnia isn't just if you've had a couple of nights where you can't sleep. It's, it's not that. It's, it's very, there's quite a descriptive a medical definition, isn't there, there for insomnia? Is. I'm not expecting you to say something like at the top of my head, X number I'm, of... <laughs> Yeah, it's usually, I think if you've had a period of about at least four weeks and it's usually, from memory, I think it's four nights out of seven. And that's something about having had the opportunity. Having the opportunity to sleep. sleep. Yeah. So the fact you might have the dog in bed with you or the child in bed, that's taking away the opportunity. Yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah. So people thinking they've got insomnia, do you need to get medical advice? You you do. First first point would be to go and see your GP. Again, because it's aimed at adults, 
get on that sleep charity ebook, get those sleep diaries filled in, and then your GP hopefully can refer you on if need be. What strategies have you used with people that, with, with ADHD? And, and you know, there, there must be oodles of success there stories. Is, out there is, there is. I think um, there's a couple really, I think, that stand out. There was um, one family with a little girl with ADHD and complex sensory issues where we did a full profile on herself we, we talked to the family we did a series of four sessions one-to-one with this family um we've got to know them a little bit better what have you um and this little girl would wake up in the night and, and be coloring mm. you know she'd be waking up um and be busy coloring or she'd be shouting for mum and what, <laughs> this sounds quite simple but we put in the strategies around sensory so she did the robots actually, mm. and the other thing we put in for her was to use a sensory tube in the hour before sleep. We also thought about um, activities that the child found sensory stimulating: teeth brushing, hair combing. For that oh, child okay. was really really hard because okay. uh, the mouth. You never think be... about cleaning your teeth being yeah. difficult for some but people. For, for a lot of kids, teeth cleaning mm. can be really stimulating, and it gets mm. that adrenaline up. We don't want that adrenaline up before sleep. Oh, how so interesting. think about a different time. Mm. Could we say do it straight after tea? Mm. I mean, all right, in the ideal world, let's do it before bed. Great. The, the ideal world doesn't exist, does no, it? No, no. But actually, it's more important yes. that that child's regulated. Yes, of course, of course. So change the timings. Mm. You know, any schoolwork, don't do it right before bed. No. Homework, don't do it right no. before bed. Let's find a different time. Mm. You know, we also put a journal in for that child where she would offload, she was, there's a lot going on at school for her that we didn't realise. She had a thoughts book, would okay. write down in the day, mm. you know, before, probably just after tea she'd do this, um, she'd write down what had gone on. But the mm. deal there is if she writes down all the thoughts, and some of it was quite negative, mm. she always had to put something positive at the back of the oh, book. Oh, good. Okay. Mm. So we changed, the, we changed the times. We also looked at the environment. And one of the big ones that turned out, and it didn't happen, because it wasn't su- totally successful initially. It improved, but then the child was waking about four hours after she'd gone sleep onset. Mm. And we looked back, we said, what's going on? Turned out the landing light was on when mum went, put the child to bed. Mm. When mum went to bed, she, she knocked it off. it off. And then she woke up. Well, to a different environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a little bit of adrenaline. Hang on a minute, I'm in fight or flight here. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... And it's such and it a simple thing that we all do it. Simple thing, and sometimes, and mm. oddly, that landing light, a whole light one, mm. is so common. Oh, yeah. And it's one of the things that has, has helped me respond to now. I turn the kids' bedroom light off. They go go to bed with a low level light. I go in and turn it off. Mm. How interesting. But if they it? don't wake up, it's not yes, a problem. No, absolutely, of course. But if no, they no, do wake up, mm. it's worth thinking about. Mm. Absolutely, that's fascinating. Isn't it? And again, it's a sensory. Stimuli, isn't it? That's wonderful. It's, fasc- it's fascinating. It's such a fascinating sort of avenue, isn't it, to think it about? If yeah. you could share one tip with the listeners around sleep and sensory impacts and ADHD, what, what would that one thing be? I mean, there must be a million there is different millions. things you could use. I think it's about trying to understand your own body, which is difficult, especially with a child, but taking time. And as, you, as, a, as a parent carer, stepping back sometimes and observing making sure that the sensory needs are met right throughout the day, just not at bedtime. It's a whole day, you know, it's a lifestyle. You don't just need it mm. just before bed or just when you wake up. If you, if the child's in education, talk to school. 
make sure that whatever's going on at school is consistent right throughout. Mm. That routine. It's all about routine. Routine, calming strategies, deep breathing, mindfulness. And a lot of people used to say mindfulness, so that's hocus pocus. No, actually it works. Mm. Uh, for adults, I'm a big yoga. Mm. You know, hand-eye coordination activity. Just to try and calm that busy brain down a little bit. You're calming me down just talking. I don't know what it is, but you're calming me down. Um, <laughs> not that I'm really, you know, hyper at the moment. But um, and it's interesting. Just talk. Just think about that little girl you were talking about. The fact she just did colouring when she, she woke up. So actually, and that when was, she was her up, choice. That was her choice. But what we did as part of that routine, we actually took the colouring away from the bedroom. Oh really? We took everything out of the bedroom. So presumably she'd got into a habit. She got into that. a habit. She woke up. She coloured. Oh, wow, so by okay. taking away the stimuli, yeah, 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 actually there's no point. And by mum responding when the child woke up with a mm. set phrase. Mm. And didn't engage with her. Mm. That it, it, things did get worse before they got better, and that's the thing. Yeah, it probably always does. It, it all, yeah. I mean, especially if we're implementing something like a new box, a sensory box, or a bedtime box. Kids love it initially, especially given you're know, giving them choices, maximise choices. Um, let them choose: Are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? First few days go down really, really well. Mm. Usually days one, two, three, four, yeah, go down quite well. Then days four, five, six and seven can become a bit of a living hell. Mm. Before I warned about that one. Yeah. <laughs> and and it... then consistency, working on that regulation and positive change is doable. Mm. And that's that's also coming from everyone, isn't it? It's not, mm. you've got to work with the school, yes. you've got to work with the parents, yes. the child as well. Yes. It is about everyone it embracing and, it. And, and I think if, 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 if um, education are being resistant and they say, oh, they don't like that at school, they're fine, da, 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 da. well, actually, top tip there is saying, look, I appreciate that at school they might be presenting X, Y, Z, at home they are, mm. you know, A, B, C. How can we work together so that my child can mm. be much more regulated in all environments? And therefore, they're going to meet their outcomes a lot better. Mm. And I think that's... Wow. That's, I could talk to you all day. Sorry. It's a shame we've run out of time, though. <laughs> Amanda Bland, thank you so much for coming. You're from a stitch different, yes. aren't you, Cersei? Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Well, I feel totally chilled out after that. We have our own sensory moment in audio form with an immersive soundscape, especially composed to provide calm for those with ADHD. To learn more, go to thesleepcharity.org.uk.